Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Let's Read the Bible, a podcast where we take a deep dive into biblical topics in a way that's easy to understand. If you would like to follow along, you can download the YouVersion Bible app and subscribe to the 49-week challenge reading plan. We also have physical reading plans available in the lobby every Sunday. And by challenge, you means challenge, just so you know. Uh, and as usual, if you have questions, we would love for you to send them in to us so we can spend time telling you how smart we are about the Bible. Uh, and that's a heavy, sarcastic statement, just so you guys know. We're super, super smart. <laughs> We're the smartest the in the building. Uh, I guess in the room. We'll say the smartest in the room. We are the smartest um, two people in this room right now. But... Uh, we would love for you to send in those questions. We actually have a question we're going to spend some time asking and talk or ask. We're going to ask the question and answer the question uh, on behalf of our, our listeners. So thank you for the question. Uh, here's two ways you can send us those questions. The first is via email. If you still use email, you can send it into info at grove.church, info at grove.church, or you can direct message our Grove Church Facebook page. We are the Grove Church in Washington State. Uh, and you can give us a thumbs up if you want to, but you can also just DM us and we'll take some time to answer those questions. So thanks for sending them in. There you be. Sending them in. Well, today we're going to be talking about the book of Joel, which is kind of, it's a, it's a minor prophet. It's in that section of the Bible. Which means it's not important, right? Exactly. That's what minor prophet means? No, it does not mean it's not uh, important, but it does mean it's, it's very much shorter. Um, Isaiah is- That's right. Is Isaiah 66 six chapters and then Joel is like yeah, three. Massive. So Isaiah, Jeremiah, those ones are the big guys. And then uh, you've got Joel, which is, you know, shorter, but yeah, still much shorter, really interesting. Um, yeah, good book. And then today we're using the ESV study Bible and then the essence of the old Testament, a survey by Ed Hinson and Gary Yates. So dude, I almost said Gutierrez cause that's normally the new Testament one and I'm just used to it. It's so not I'm Elmer Towns it, so. and Ben Gutierrez. Sorry. It's, my apologies. One of those guys was my professor. I don't remember which one. So, but I, I took a class Shout out to whoever you from are. one of those four. I believe it was Elmer Towns. Anyway. Uh, so moving forward, uh, we're going to introduce the book here. Um, as you may have guessed, Joel is the central character of the book. He is the prophet who's doing the prophesying here. Yes. Um, and his name, I thought this was really interesting. I didn't know this, but his name is a combination of the Hebrew words Yahweh and Elohim, um, which Elohim is a title for God. So translated into modern English, it would read Yahweh is God is what his name means. That's so, a name. Yeah, that's a great name. So rather than call him Joel, it's going to be Yahweh is God. Yeah, we're just going to say that over and over again. Uh, so you get annoyed by it. Yahweh is God. Um, and also interestingly, Joel is one of the hardest books in the canon to date um, because there's not a ton of historical context inside of the book to let mm -hmm. you know when it's happening. Um, so there's kind of two, well, there's there's three spots. By you canon, can, just so you know, okay, in case you're a first time listener and maybe it's your first interaction with the Bible, the canon is the 66 books uh, that we call it scripture today. Right. That's what, that's when we says canon, it means they've gone through the the processing, the, the critiquing, the, the prayerfulness of identifying what what books go in the Bible. That's yeah. what he means by canon. I guess I could have said Bible to make it easier. There, okay. But sometimes the word- Canon just makes you, it's, it's just a, smarter. It's We're a the cool, smartest guys in the room. We got to cool use big stuff. It's a word. Um, anyway, so based on internal references, uh, conservative scholars, and I kind of lean towards this, date it towards right after the reign of Jehoshaphat. So it mentions the Valley of Jehoshaphat um, in there. So that's something. Um, but there's also a passing reference to the Greeks, um, which means it could be dated to um, after the exile. Ooh. So- Either controversy. Way, yeah. Um, and then if, if you believe that it's, it's that Joel takes place after the exile, then what you would say is when it's talking about the temple, it's talking about the new temple that uh, Ezra is a part of building. Okay, so here's a question. Yeah. Why is it important to 
care about when these books are written. This one in particular, it's not that important. So, which, which is actually my next point is um, either way, whenever it takes place, the message of the book remains the mm-hmm. same. There are some books where it's very important. Like, uh, what? like Daniel would be one. Why? Where, why would that one be important? Well, because yeah. there's a lot of prophecy about the future. So if you can establish that it was actually written in the time when it says it was written, then those prophecies become actually... Uh, As a more weight and truth to the book. It's very hard to argue that the book there's not something spiritually going on with the book. If you can prove that it was written during the Babylonian captivity and it has all of these references to eventually what will happen with Greece and Rome. So I agree. stuff like that. I um, just want to ask a question. Cause I think it's sometimes fun little, fun little nugget for you guys listening to us. True. Today. There you so, go. It's also welcome. good for um, the gospels as well, because you want to make sure that those are written as close to the time of Jesus as you can. Yeah. Cause then you also get like, you always hear like around Easter, like on the history channel and stuff, there's always like the gospel of Thomas or the gospel of Judas is the one that was like going around a few years ago. And it's funny because those are always written like two or 300 years after the fact. So it'd be like if I wrote a book called like my friend, George Washington, and people took it seriously. It's just kind of. Didn't you write one like that? Though? Well, you know. It's on Amazon. It's a bestseller. It's a great book. Again, sarcasm. Sorry, guys. Uh, so anyways, and then like so many of the prophets, Joel's message is one of repentance. Um, and you'll see that theme, pretty much all the prophetic books. Yeah. I can't really think of one where that's not the main crux of what's going on. Well, let's just on. be honest. That's the, that's the theme of, of scripture in some respects. I mean, also Jesus true. talks about repentance. Jesus, like he, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. So um, it's just natural to be what our world needs is this idea of repentance and not just mm-hmm. like, I'm sorry for my sins, but it's literally a rejecting of sin and the lifestyle of sin to Christ. So anyways. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So it, and Joel also breaks up pretty easily into four sections. So mm-hmm. that's what we're going to do today. Uh, the first section is actually just the entire first chapter. And we're going to call this one, the locust plague. So uh, here is how Joel opens up uh, the word of the Lord that came to Joel, the son of Pethuel. Hear this, you elders, give ear, all inhabitants of the land. Has such a thing happened in your days or in the days of your fathers? Tell your children of it. Let your children tell their children and the children tell and their children another generation. And the cutting what the cut what the cutting lotus locusts, wow, what the cutting locusts left, the swarming locust has eaten. What the swarming locust left, the hopping locust has eaten. And what the hopping locust left, the destroying locust has eaten. So, so there's four different types of locusts. Yeah. Not lotus. Like I was keep trying to say for some reason. Lotus. But, <laughs> I just want a new energy drink. Apparently. Okay. So Joel opens up and we're, we're not given a ton of information about what happened when this happened, yeah. but there's some type of a locust plague that mm-hmm. has come through. It's ripped through. Apparently this one is just more devastating than anything that they've seen before, or at least within living memory of many of the people who are, who are living through this. And Joel basically opens up with like, Hey, this is pretty terrible. Look around everyone. <laughs> so it's, I don't know. It's bad news, guys. Bad news. It's very, it's very prophetic in that sense, because like a lot, again, a lot of the prophetic books are like, this terrible thing is going to happen or look at this terrible thing that has happened. So yeah. that's what Joel is doing here. Um, and he, again, like we talked about, he tells the people of Israel that they need to repent in uh, verses 13 through 14. He says, put on sackcloth and lament, O priests. Um, and just to clarify what that is, sackcloth is a garment that you would wear um, when you were basically- Not very comfortable. Yeah, when you were repenting for your sins. And then lament is just another way to say, basically, um, be sad about the fact that you, uh, or express your sadness for your sin. Yep. Uh, Wail, O ministers of the altar. Go in, pass the night in sackcloth, O ministers of my God, because grain offering and drink offering are withheld from the house of your God. 
consecrate a fast, call the solemn assembly, gather the elders and all the inhabitants of your land to the house of the Lord, your God, and cry out to the Lord. Isn't it a fun opening to the book? It's uh, makes me really want to read this book again. <laughs> well, we keep going. It's it's going to get even uh, it's going to get even better. One of the themes of Joel um, is this idea of the day of the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not just in Joel; it's in other places in the Bible too. But it's it's very much kind of at the center of what Joel is talking about. And it's funny because the day of the Lord means different things in different sections. So it's so true. So when you hear the day of the Lord, like there's so many different ideas and thought processes that go through your head. So. Again, this is why it's important to understand the context of a book and the theme and the, and the purpose of the wording used. Because if, if you're just thinking through a New Testament lens, the day of the Lord is something, it's something very positive. Yeah, um, it's something to look forward to, like the day of the Lord, it's the day of his coming back, his return. Yeah, like and we'll get to that here in a second. But what Joel's talking about first is uh, what we'll call the imminent day of the Lord. And this is our second section. This is Joel chapter 2, verses 1 through 17. Um, and Joel warns about the day of the Lord that would be coming if the people of Israel did not repent, uh, for turning away from God. Um, he talks about there'd be like another terrible plague, um, of locusts probably and judgment from God. Um, and as is the case with, I, I, I wanted to say all, but I, I didn't, I didn't go through all of the prophetic passages, but I believe in all the prophetic passages, there's an opportunity for repentance. Mm-hmm. Um, the only ones where maybe it's not as if it's like, you had your chance and now's the condemnation part. But yeah. I, I think in uh, the vast, for the vast majority of prophetic passages, there's always an opportunity of this is going to happen to you if you don't turn back to God. Yeah, And that's in Joel uh, chapter two, we're going to read verses 12 through 13. And it says, yet even now declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping and with mourning and rend your hearts and not your garments. Return to the Lord, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and he relents over disaster. So, yeah, it's, it's such a like, um, I think so often when we study the Bible, we don't take the time to really just rest in those passages because yeah, right. they're so common, and it, it, but we don't take the time to think about what they actually mean. Um, like we don't, we don't take the time to really just sit and meditate on return to the Lord, your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. And he relents over disaster. Um, and so much for us today. Like, I, I know there's, um, it's a constant struggle for people to think like they've gone too far mm-hmm. or they're, 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 they're in a place where they can't uh, repent. They can't turn around. They're too far gone. And, and that's just not the case. Yeah. It, there's always an opportunity to come back. And that's what Joel is kind of telling the people of Israel. And in, um, in one of the most surprising, I would say, passages of scripture, um, they listen, which almost never happens with the prophetic literature. They're, they're, they never listen. Um, but in Joel, they actually do listen. Uh, in the next section, we're going to call this the ultimate day of the Lord. Um, so there's the day of the Lord that Joel is prophesying about like, hey, this isn't something you want. Yeah. It's going to happen if you don't repent. And then there's this upcoming day of the Lord, which you're going to recognize um, as we talk a little bit more about it because it connects to the New Testament in, um, in a very famous Spoiler. a very famous New Testament passage talks about this day of the Lord. Um, but yeah, so in, in the first part of this uh, section, so this is uh, chapters two, chapter two, 18 through 32. And it says this, then the Lord became jealous for his land and had pity on his people. The Lord answered and said to his people, behold, I am sending to you grain, wine, and oil, and you will be satisfied. And I will make, and I will no more make you a reproach among the nations. 
I will remove the northerner far from you and drive him into a parched and desolate land, his vanguard into the eastern sea and his rear guard into the western sea. The stench and foul smell of him will rise, for he has done great things. Fear not, O land, be glad and rejoice, for the Lord has done great things. So it's kind of just a cool, it's a cool passage that we don't get the, um, we don't get the fill-in story of like how the Israelites repented or anything, but yeah, it just, right. it jumps from one section to the next one. And the next section is basically like, okay, the Lord relents. So we know something yeah. happens here. Well, it's almost, I think you see, um, I almost wonder if because there is no clarity as far as how they res- repented, you see, I mean, in, in chapter two, verse 12, it says, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping and with mourning and rend your hearts, not your garments. Um, so I think that that's the picture you see they, my assumption is reading into some of the, the context that I'm seeing is that they repented how God asked them to repent and not just cried over like, God, we need you. But like really this, this deep seated understanding and sorrow and guilt and repentance, um, that provided relief that provided God, you know, empowered it's, which is kind of a weird way to say it, but enabled God to then relent over disaster right. uh, because the people responded how they were supposed to. Um, and so you see, I, I love it. I love the picture. And I love that you called it the ultimate day of the Lord. I don't know if that was from the actual. That is from Old the, Testament, uh, te- the Old Testament the survey. Old, the Old Testament. So. By Ed Henson and Gary Yates. Yeah. <laughs> not not Gutierrez. So, or. Elmer Towns. Yeah. I was going to say. Anyways. Um, but yeah, I just wonder if that's part of it. I think that that is, that is a picture that I think is relevant for today. Um, and just understanding this idea of humility and repentance and. Um, mourning and, and weeping. Like, I think there's a layer of, God, we've we've neglected you or, and so in those, in those moments of our own lives, I think we can take a, you know, uh, we can reflect the same disposition as the Israelites back in Joel's day. So, yeah. But anyways. So this, this happens. Um, it's just, yeah, it's just a really cool passage. I also love the contrast of, so it says, I will remove the northerner from you. Um, this could be referring to either the locust plague or the Assyrians, depending on when you date this. Mm-hmm. Um, so, or the Babylonians, I guess even, but uh, my gut says Assyrians because it's right after the Jehoshaphat thing. So uh, again, that's where in my head, that's where I'm dating it. Yeah. Um, and so it is, I, I love the contrast of um, the stench and foul smell of him will rise for he has done great things. And then it says, fear not, O land, be glad and rejoice for the Lord has done great things. And it's just kind of the contrast of whatever this Northern thing that they're referring to, it's done great. And when it says great, it doesn't mean like good. It means like um, powerful things, basically. It's done those things, but the Lord has done even more powerful things. So interesting. Uh, and then we finally get this talk about the day of the Lord. Um, and so in Joel chapter two, verses 20 through 32, it says, and it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams and your young men shall see vis- visions. Even on the male and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit and I will show wonders in he- in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire and columns of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness, the moon to blood before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. For it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem, there shall be those who escape, as the Lord has said, and among the survivors shall be those whom the Lord calls. So um, this is what's referenced in uh, the day of Pentecost yep. in the book of Acts. And so people say, um, you know, the, the, the apostles and other disciples are in the upper room. 
tongues of fire descend. <clears throat> they're empowered by the Holy Spirit to begin to speak in uh, tongues and languages that they don't understand. They go out, they're preaching the gospel. Um, and people are saying like, they're drunk. And he's like, no, we're not drunk. This is what was prophesied by the prophet Joel. Mm-hmm. And what it says is, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams and your young men shall see visions. It's just such a cool, um, it's a cool connection point. Yeah. And, and even this idea that Israel does repent. And so this first day of the Lord, which is not something you want, has been put away uh, in exchange for this ultimate day of the Lord, which is coming. And it's really talking about um, the the coming new covenant that will not just be for Israel. It'll be for all nations. Um, and it says, you know, for the day is coming when uh, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved, not just the Jews. Yeah, um, it's, yeah it's just, I don't know. Like it, we so often with with studying the Bible, we just don't take the time to actually like think about how cool true. things are. Um, but yeah, here in this minor prophet, we can call him three chapters. Um, there's not a ton that we know about it, but he's talking about how eventually the Holy Spirit is is going to come and God's going to empower His people, and it's going to be, um, yeah, it's just going to be incredible. And then you even get this idea of like, I'll show wonders in the heavens of earth, blood, and fire, and calms of smoke. And I can't help but think that's referencing uh, what is going to happen on the the night that Jesus dies. And you see the um, the earthquakes and yep. all of these natural, the sun go, the sun's covered, all these natural wonders happen. Um, and then you see the veil torn in the temple as kind of like the completion of this day of the yeah, Lord. Right. So, or I guess the the start of it, you could say. So. Anywho. It's a fulfillment of the prophecy, right? There's that picture of it for sure. Yep. Yeah, I think it's, it's. I, I love the, you know, Joel is such a small and simple book, uh, but there's so much depth and and profoundness to it. I don't say that to be um, generic. I do think that there, you know, there's something very, very deep. Um, and you see it intertwined throughout the entirety of scripture, I feel like. Um, where you see some of the correlation to the, the day of Pentecost in the New Testament, the book of Acts. You yeah. see... Um, this humility and challenge of repentance and out of that response, God then relents from wrath, but then pours out his spirit, such a gracious, loving uh, father that we get to serve and, and be a part of his family. Um, and Joel, I mean, there, there are times where I wish we could know more about the prophets or about the context, but we're not always given that. Yeah. Actually. All we know is he's the son of Pethuel. Yeah. <laughs> That's so, it. Uh, but yeah, it is. I mean, it's interesting and it's, 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 yeah, it's, it's a very, very simple, very profound book. Yep. Um, and if you're wondering what's the final section, um, it's called the future judgment of the nations. I guess we can call it. And it's basically just a section where Joel lines up, like here's what's going to happen to the other nations around you. So part of this day of the Lord is also um, the other nations surrounding Israel also get a day of the Lord, but theirs isn't as good. Yeah, theirs so. is not the day you want to be part of. Yep. It's also, it, that's also the kind of, it alludes to the book, you know, book of Revelation when it talks about the, the coming day of the Lord, like the day of judgment, the day of wrath. Yeah. For all those who are not part of God's God's family. So What's interesting too, though, is eventually those nations um, do get to be a part of the ultimate day of the Lord. Because um, anyone from those nations who calls upon the name of Christ is saved. Yeah. So it's, yeah, they get, they get both. Um, you probably only want one, but they, yeah, but, yeah, they, right. but they get both. So there you go. Well, and that, I think that's part of that. So go back to the reading plan, why we're reading this reading plan as a church. And we probably have not done as good of a job in this podcast, drawing the connections and the parallels, but it is meant to be a New Testament chronological reading. And then with ties and anchor points back to the Old Testament. So you see the entirety of picture, uh, the entirety of the picture of scripture. 
Um, and so you see, we're reading through Revelation right now on this reading plan as we come to the close of it, which is just happening in a few weeks, actually. Um, and we're reading through Revelation. We're going to end in Revelation. But you see in moments like this where Joel is a book that we're introduced and we di dialogue through the book of Joel, you see these connection points um, that have um, overlap. Yeah. And, and they're not just this is 150,000 years ago. This is 200 years ago. Like it, it, you see this God in his sovereignty, in his design, in his plan from before the creation of the world and the universe as we know it. Um, that he had set in motion a design and a purpose and an intent for the purpose of reconciling humanity and glorifying his name. And so mm -hmm. um, you see that in moments as you're reading through Revelation right now and you see the connection back to to um, Joel here, you'll see that day of the Lord kind of conversation and you, you'll see the multiple facets to what that actually is entailing. So, Well, well said, Aaron. Well said. Hey, I have my moments. Um, so it's that, like I scripted that out. So that, that's going to wrap it up for our discussion on the book of Joel. Uh, but don't take off yet. We do have a Q&A portion here coming up. Um, but before we get there, we do just want to invite you to leave a five-star review on whatever device you're listening on. Um, it just helps to get the word out there and get this podcast in front of more people um, and just, just grow this community of people um, reading the Bible together. It's always fun to see. Um, not just people from the Grove Church in Washington, which is where, you know, that's where we're based and it's really um, the first layer of who we're doing this podcast for, but to be able to see people um, all around the country um, and even all around the world listening, it's, it's, it's been really fun to be able to uh, see all the people tuning in. So do us a favor. If you, if you like what you're hearing, uh, leave us a review. Yeah, do it. All right. Q&A portion. Uh, this is really interesting. I've never thought of this before. So uh, it says, hello, with an exclamation point. Uh, Exodus 23, 27. Who is my terror? that God is referring to. Earlier, he talks about his angel leading the Israelites, which I believe is referring to Jesus, but who is his terror? So uh, let's read the passage here really quick just so we get an idea. So I'm going to read um, Exodus 23, and this is 23 through 29, so it kind of gives you the verses around it to give you a little bit better context, which also I would encourage you, if you ever see a verse like by itself and you're wondering, well, what's that about? Always read the paragraph it's in because yeah. it's going to, it just helps because um, you can, you can take a sentence out of a paragraph and twist it to mean whatever you yeah. want. To it's mean. a really bad, it's soundbiting. I mean, you take soundbites of different speeches and stuff like that and you only focus on the one soundbite. You don't understand the context of the entire conversation. So. Exactly. So don't do that. That's bad. Boom. Uh, so anyways, with uh, Exodus in verse 23, it says this, when my angel goes before you and brings you to the Am Amorites and the Hittites and the Perizzites and the Canaanites and the Hivites and the Jebusites, and I blot them out, you shall not bow down to their gods nor serve them. Pause. That they, Israel did not listen to that. <laughs> so what? I know. Gosh, man. Bummer. If only they had what we had. <clears throat> if only they had the Bible. We would never do that. Uh, Again, sarcasm. Nor do as they do, but you shall utterly overthrow them and break their pillars in pieces. You shall serve the Lord your God and he will bless your bread and your water and will take sickness away from you. None shall miscarry or be barren in your land. I will fulfill the number of your days. I will send my terror before you and throw... And will throw into confusion all of the peoples against whom you shall come, and will make all your enemies turn their backs on you. And I will send hornets before you, which shall drive out the Hivites and the Canaanites and the Hittites from before you. I will not drive them out from before you in one year, lest the land become desolate and the wild beasts multiply against you. Which even that's kind of an interesting little side part where he's like, and then I'm not going to do this too, too quick because then otherwise you'll have a hard time taming the land. It's like, oh, thanks, God. That's it. You know, thanks for looking out. Which is funny because how many times do we complain about this is just dragging on and on and on? 
Yeah, true. Well, and if if I were to do it all at once, you wouldn't you wouldn't be able to make it. So there you go. It's in his loving kindness, he drags things on sometimes. Um, so kind of simple answer for this one. Um, but I think it's it could be referring to two things. Um, it could be referring to an actual like plague that is going before the Israelites, which you kind of can see hinted at with the hornets in the next verse. So murder hornets. The murder hornets. Did you hear that they found like I did two hundred queens? Oh my gosh. We're in Washington, and so they found 500 of the murder hornets and then 200 queens. I was like, no, not like this 2020. Don't end like this. Um, but anyway, <laughs> that side, that sidebar aside, so God sends murder hornets in front of the Israelites. Um, so it could be referring to that, or it could be referring to legitimately like um, some kind of a terror that mm-hmm. is going before the Israelites. Um, so keep in mind, this is a prophetic word um, because this doesn't get fulfilled in Exodus because they don't drive these tribes out of the land until yeah. much later. Um, and so like immediately it made me think of Gideon. Um, My son? Yes. Aaron's oh. son. Uh, it made me think of Mario Kart. So no, but like uh, it made me think of in the story of the judge, you know, there's Gideon, he has 300 men. And then literally it's basically that God causes a great fear to come upon the Midianites. Yeah, Evan's talking about the book of judges. We talked about Gideon a couple of weeks ago, but yeah, exactly. So um, like in that sense, there actually is a terror yeah. that goes before um, you even get in Jericho, um, I, I don't know the exact verse I'm looking for, but they talk about how, you know, we've heard stories of your God and basically you, Rahab, Rahab. Yeah. They I just read about her today boom, from Hebrews. That, see, look how that connects. Um, and I, and I judged you for not reading Joel this morning. Instead, you read the story of Rahab. I'm sorry, Aaron. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like in, full circle, you jerk. And that Can you guys pray for us. Evan and I are fighting right now. In that, in that passage, you see um, a terror going yep. before them. So um, in my head, I think that's what it's referring to is literally just this sense of um, a, a right fear of what God will do if you don't abide by his plan. But it could also be um, some type of a plague that's mentioned there before. So yeah. Well, and I also think, I mean, um, I think about even this, I mean, we just referenced it to a degree, the story of Jehoshaphat. Um, when he was going up to fight the Amorites, I think it was the Amorites, um, but God sent confusion into the camp as they, as Jehoshaphat stopped, led everyone into not just prayer and fasting prior to this, but also in worship together, um, that God then sent confusion into the camp. And there was that, that terror that created. And then he, like Jehoshaphat didn't have to drive him out. I mean, story of Gideon, same conversation, um, where there, as they were preparing, all they had was a, a, a torch in a clay jar. And then I think a sword, um, and they, or no, a trumpet or a horn. Right, right. And so they broke the jars all at once and blew the trumpets all at once. And it sent this confusion chaos to where the, the you know, the, the, the enemy sent against Gideon, they fought and killed themselves and that was it. So Gideon didn't even have to raise a sword. Um, so you see different moments throughout scripture where you have this quote unquote terror that creates confusion, which is what he's saying. Like, I will send my terror before you and will throw into confusion all the people against whom you shall come. And I will make your enemies turn their backs on you. Like there is that sense where God can create some, some, um, I don't want to use the word terror again, but he creates a situation scenario where there is, you know, protection, provision and conquering for God's people. And they didn't have to raise a sword or finger. Um, They just had to be obedient to what God called them to. So that's kind of where my mind goes to when it comes to this terror conversation. So. I can also only think of the show called The Terror that, you know, it's about 
Well, when I said Gideon, when you said Gideon, I think of Get the Kid in the Black Bean Bandits, which is a book my son has. There you go. So, and it's the story of Gideon in um, English. It's from England. Yeah. Sorry. So. Well, speaking of from England, the show The Terror is about what happened to the Franklin Expedition. So either way, that has See, nothing. it's all just connecting right now. That has nothing to do with the Welcome Bible. to Evan and I's conversations in real life. And on that note, uh, that's going to wrap it up for this episode of Let's Read the Bible. We are a podcast of the Grove Church, but we're not the only podcast of the Grove Church. I would say the Church. best podcast of the Grove Church. Mm-hmm. Yes. Take that, Jen. Uh, But you can find all of our other resources and podcasts on our website at grove.church. Have a great week, guys.